another episode of Preferred Walk-On, PFF's College Football Show. I'm your host, Max Chowdock, alongside my co-host, Dalton Wasserman. And Dalton, we have our top 10 teams in the country heading into Week 10. Obviously, the College Football Playoff rankings come out tomorrow night, so we're very excited about that. So this is basically what we would do if we were the College Football Playoff Committee. We also are going into our trivia, now a weekly segment on our Monday episodes. But first, Dalton, we each have a take that we want to bring to the table. I'll let you kick it off. What's your takeaway from a, a pretty eventful week nine, even though there weren't that many huge games on the slate? Yeah, always eventful regardless of the slate. That's college football. I think for me, we're in the part of the year where you just see one by one and, and you know, like a few each week teams getting eliminated from the playoff conversation. I think you've got about 14 teams left in the conversation. Uh, this past week, you had Oregon State. Utah, North Carolina, all eliminated. Mm -hmm. uh, Utah blown out by Oregon. North Carolina with another bad loss to Georgia Tech, giving up a boatload of rushing yards in the fourth quarter. Um, Oregon State getting upset at Arizona. It, you're, you're starting to run out of teams now. And I know, obviously, the focus is on the top six, the top eight. Realistically, I think you look at the rankings, and there's about 14 to go. Um, you got a few of them, obviously, that are a little bit unlikely. Missouri would have to pull off a real miracle run. Or, you know, a team like Ole Miss would have to beat Georgia and then probably maybe beat them again. You know, you're really down to probably eight or nine realistic teams and 14 in total. And every week you're going to see that whittled down further and further. You know, it's for as much as, you know, the talk is going to be who's the top four right now, um, it, it, it almost it, it would feel wrong if that didn't change before the end of the season with just how many hard games are left for some of these teams. The next two weeks of the schedule are absolutely loaded. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned I mean, one team that hasn't been eliminated yet, but I, I think saw their playoff chances significantly de decrease was Oklahoma, man. I mean, I think Oklahoma, even with one loss, beating Texas, even if they beat Texas in the Big 12 championship game, I still think that you might need a two-loss conference champion for more of the other Power 5 conferences because I don't think Oklahoma's schedule is good enough, honestly, to get into the playoff with that one loss. Uh, the takeaway I had, and I, I kind of been hyping this up uh, a little bit, I love this guy. I love Marvin Harrison Jr. He's an absolute superstar. Is he still a generational receiver prospect? Absolutely. However, he should not be in the Heisman conversation right now. I think it's incredible how well he's played over the last four games of the season. However, when you look at the course of the season, don't I don't even think this guy is a top two Bolitnikov candidate right now. He'd probably be third for me in the Bolitnikov. He's fifth in the country in receiving in grade. He's sixth in the country in receiving yards. He's tied for tenth in receiving touchdowns. Now he's played great over the last few weeks. Don't get me wrong. He's been the best receiver in the country over the last few weeks. And if he keeps this up, against Michigan, maybe in the Big Ten Championship game, absolutely, I would say this guy has a chance at being in the conversation for the Heisman Trophy. But I've seen everybody say that he's a top three Heisman candidate right now when I don't even think he's been the best receiver in college football this year. And when the Heisman Trophy is awarded to the most outstanding player in college football, and you're saying that the guy who hasn't even been the most outstanding receiver in college football this year deserves to be in that conversation, I don't get it, man. I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. Listen, he's a special player. I have nothing against him. I think everyone who's hyping him up right now, it's kind of a little bit of prisoner of the moment to me of what he did against Penn State, obviously, what he did against Wisconsin, what he did in the last few weeks. But I think other guys like Malik Neighbors, I would say Luther Burden III, I still might put above him in the Bolitnikoff race. I just don't think the guy who might be the third best receiver in college football this season, when only looking at this season, 
I don't think that that's a guy that you could say is a top three Heisman candidate right now, like everyone is saying. And yeah, man, like I said, I just I don't get it, man. I, I don't get the Marvin Harrison Jr. Heisman hype right now. Can he join it? Absolutely. But right now, I just don't see it. I think it's a little bit of name recognition, too. I think everyone wants Marvin Harrison Jr. to be like Devontae Smith and win the Heisman Trophy with how good he was entering the season. Is he still the best receiver in college football? Like, would I still start my team with him? Yes, absolutely. But when you look at the stats, man, and overall what he's done only this season, I just don't think he's deserves to be in the Heisman conversation just yet. He could be down the line, but I think right now, a little too soon for me. Uh, no, I get it. And I, and I actually get the argument both sides here because you've got a guy who, who has – he's got the name. He's got all the hype. And to be honest with you, he's got top five numbers. Um, we did our Heisman rankings, and we both had quarterbacks in the top four. And I had Malik Neighbors number five just based on, you know, the numbers kind of said he's the best receiver in the country right now. I wanted, And even then, I wanted a non-quarterback. You could have easily argued five quarterbacks in the top five. I totally get why you could put Harrison probably in the top – eight let's say the top yeah. eight in the Heisman ranks right like he's one he's carrying Kyle McCord right mm-hmm. neighbors has Daniels you know Burden has has Missouri the new offense Brady Cook's playing really well McCord isn't up to the standard of those guys has he played solid football and, and I've told you he's he's a fun guy to watch on tape just to see the progress yes but he's not on that level he single-handedly really beat Penn State I, I think yeah. that that helps big time um I think the Bolitnikoff race is going to be a lot more fun to watch, really, than the Heisman. A quarterback's going to win the Heisman, and it's pretty likely, I would think, that four quarterbacks are going to go to the presentation in New York City for that. I don't know if there will be a non-quarterback there, especially with Brock Bowers out and just the the just high-level play of some of these. You could still see Caleb Williams there. Michael Penix will be there for sure. Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Jordan Travis might even sneak his way in there with more games like he just played. It's going to be four quarterbacks going to that ceremony. I don't really think it's actually even a relevant conversation unless one of these guys goes crazy. Let's say Neighbors puts up 200 on Alabama or Burden, and then they beat Georgia. Or, or you know, Harrison, same thing. If Harrison puts up 200, if he put up 200 on Michigan and finished the season somehow between 14, 1,500 yards, he may work his way into the top four, but there's, you're not getting a receiver winning the Heisman this year it's not going to happen the Bolitnikov between those three guys is going to be a boatload of fun I think that's a better conversation I totally get the argument and Marvin Harrison's going to go top five in the draft as he absolutely should Mm -hmm. but I I actually don't even think on on either side it's a relevant one I think it's actually what you're going to end up with is the best Bolitnikov race maybe we've had in a long time yeah, definitely. I just I've seen so many analysts put put out their top three Heisman candidates. And you got Penix and Daniels, and everybody has Harrison in the top three. And I'm like, dude, I would say he's third in the Bolitnikov race right now. I just I, I think I think based on what we saw this past weekend, I think I would probably change my top three to Penix, Daniels, and probably move Bo Nix all the way up to third. Yeah, exactly. And I just I don't know. I just think if you're gonna have a receiver win the Heisman Trophy. Um, it's got to be like a Devontae Smith type of year, and Devontae Smith was far and away the best receiver that year. Harrison, like I said, man, I don't even think he's first or second probably right now in the Blitnikoff race. Now, he over the last four weeks, he leads all receivers in the country in receiving yards and leads all power five ones in receiving touchdowns. But as over the last four weeks, he did kind of have a, a slow-ish to the start to the season, while Malik Neighbors and Luther Burton have kind of been on fire since week one. That's why I'm just, again, I love Marvin Harrison Jr., nothing against him. I kind of just, looking at a lot of the analysts right now who are saying this guy is the, you know, 
Heisman. A lot of them are saying he deserves the Heisman Trophy right now. I think that's insane. I, I think it's a little bit too much of uh, the name recognition, you know, giving him props for that, and also too much of, you know, just prisoner of the moment, like I said, just looking at the last few weeks instead of looking at the entire season. But that's what we got for our takeaways from uh, a pretty eventful week nine of college football. Now, Dalton, let's start off with our top ten teams in college football, what the college football playoff rankings should look like tomorrow night. So I'll kick it off with our number 10 team, which was a top five team before this. Now, after losing the first game of the season, we mentioned them before, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to have some trouble now to, to make the college football playoff after losing to Kansas this past Saturday. The Dylan Gabriel Heisman hype has kind of died down now after the loss to Kansas. He still had a pretty good game against them, but uh, you look at Oklahoma, dude. This is their third straight game where it was a one-possession game. Now, one of them, obviously, was very understandable in the Texas game. You know, if you just beat Texas, I don't care how, by how many, that's a great win. Other one was UCF, and that kind of raised some eyebrows. And then, of course, this week, they finally got burned after playing with fire with with Kansas. Now you got to play Oklahoma State next week. We're going to preview that in our preview, so make sure you guys tune in for that. Um, Oklahoma State is kind of on fire right now, man. I think Oklahoma, they need to win out, and even if that, I still think you probably need a two-loss conference champion in the ACC or some other conference for Oklahoma to still sneak in, even if they beat Texas in the rematch in the Big 12 championship game. I still don't think a one-loss Oklahoma deserves to be over a one-loss conference champion from the other four Power 5 conferences right now. No, I agree, and I think I think the best road for them, they need two things to happen. One, they need Texas to win out, actually. Yes, they need Texas absolutely. to beat Kansas State. They actually need a rematch with Texas and for Texas to be number five or six in the country and for that to be the rematch, you know, to be the big 12 title game to be like the biggest thing ever. Right. Two, I, I think the easiest road for them otherwise is madness in the pac 12, yep. right? You got Washington who will go over with some flaws. Oregon's already lost a game. You know, both teams have some tough games left. I think that's the easiest road, but this um, it's been concerning the last two weeks because UCF really just botched a two point conversion to tie the game, and they fell behind early. I, and I think Oklahoma, the way they run their offense, they don't they don't want to fall behind early. The I think the strategy has become make Dylan Gabriel beat you. Since week four, his passing grade's only a seventy two point four, which is every bit of decent, but that's every bit of like that's what that's around what Kyle McCord's grading out for the season. Yeah. So. You know, and they talk about, oh, McCord's the weakness for Ohio State. Well, when Oklahoma, we talked about in the preview, when they get to the foundation of their offense and they can run their tempo, they look great. But with all the rain and the delay and the game got slowed down and Kansas ran a slow pace, they, they kind of had the formula ready to beat Oklahoma. Now they still had to execute. They still, you know, Oklahoma still ran for a ton of yards. Gabriel had three touchdowns on the ground, but – they couldn't throw the ball at all. And it's going to be very hard to win week to week, especially against a team like Oklahoma State, if, if you're not if, – if teams are making you throw the ball and you just can't do it. Yeah, absolutely. So who is our number nine team in our preferred walk-on top ten? Number nine is a fun one. I know, you know, Penn State is number nine in the AP poll right now, but we're, we're kind of getting a little tired of them, out of them playing close games against teams they should be better than. We I'm getting tired of it. I can, I can guarantee you that, Dalton. I'm getting tired of it. Oh, I know you are. Yeah, we, we have Ole Miss at number nine. Um, kind of sneak up on you a little bit. They have the one loss at Tuscaloosa, but they've just gone about their business since then. They they won an absolute barn burner against LSU. They won at Tulane earlier in the year. They they just go about their business and and they you know they don't ask Jackson Dart to do too much. 
They're playing reasonably good enough defense. They run the ball like crazy with Judkins and even occasionally Dart himself. They, they've, I think they've yet to put together like a completely dominant performance, right? You know, I, I, I graded the game. They played Auburn a couple weeks ago. It was ugly. It was running the ball. Neither team was throwing the ball great, but they're getting it done. And for your, I think for your only loss to be at Tuscaloosa and to continue to run through an SEC schedule. Now we're going to find out about them. They get A&M this week. And then next week they play Georgia. We're going to find out if Ole Miss is really made of it or if they're just kind of top 20 Ole Miss. But they have, you know, if Ole Miss were to run the table here, they're they're right in the thick of it, right? Yeah. You you beat Georgia and then you beat whoever the, the SEC, you know, if you run the table, beat whoever the SEC East winner is. Uh, there's no reason they couldn't find themselves as one of those teams with one loss sitting at number four. So they're, they're just – they're just playing good football. I think they've slowed the game down a little bit as opposed to Lane Kiffin's usual hyper-paced, like, gassing out my own defense kind of thing. They're, they're, they're finding themselves, and, and they haven't been totally dominant week to week yet, but they're still finding ways to win. Yeah. Absolutely. And the interesting thing about Ole Miss, because I agree with you, they deserve to be a top-10 team, and I think you and I both have uh, Penn State out of our top-10 um, so I agree, disagree with the AP poll and maybe even see the college football playoff ranking had, that right now is Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, Ole Miss at 11. I think the interesting thing with Ole Miss, though, is that they need a lot of help, though, to probably still even get in to the college football playoff because Alabama is in front of them in the SEC West. Alabama is a tiebreaker as well. Bama's only loss of the season was a non-conference game in Texas. So Alabama really has a two-game lead on Ole Miss right now in the SEC West. So Ole Miss should be the biggest fans of LSU this weekend. And then they might I think Alabama might have to lose another game for Ole Miss I, to I believe there's there's some tiebreaker. I was looking at this a couple of days ago. There's some tiebreaker scenarios if there's a three way tie because you've got Bama beat Ole Miss and Ole Miss beat LSU. And if LSU beats yeah. Bama, I, I think it goes down to some wicked tiebreaker of like whoever beats the best team from the other side of the conference, which so would mean Ole let's, if Ole Miss wins out, then that implies that they beat Georgia. So I think what needs to happen is if LSU beats Bama and Georgia runs uh, runs the table otherwise, right? They beat Missouri mm-hmm. and Tennessee otherwise, then I think actually LSU would win the West on a three-way tie. It's some crazy – I was looking at this the other day. If you get a three-way tie – that scenario actually, I believe, favors Ole Miss as long as Georgia doesn't lose a different game. Yeah, so it's 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 combined head-to-head among the tie teams, which would be tied. Uh, record of the tied teams within the division. So that would be, I believe... I think it'd be tied. No, I think it'd be They have to tied. all play each other once. Yeah, and then head-to-head competition against a team within division with the best... Within the division with the best overall conference record divisional and non-divisional and proceeding through the division so it's it's very complicated so i I think Ole miss definitely needs some help they definitely need to root for lsu this weekend um but i still think this is a team that yeah deserves to be in the top 10 man i think their resume speaks for itself obviously the two lane wins a little uh discounted a little bit because michael pratt didn't play in that game but at the same time i mean you lose to alabama in tuscaloosa then you uh you obviously beat you beat Tulane. You got Texas A&M coming up as well. You, you beat LSU, who's looking better and better by the week. Um, yeah, that's that's impressive, man. So I, I think their resume. When you look at their resume compared to Penn State's resume, Penn State's best win is against uh, Iowa, 
And really that, uh, that Ohio State loss for Penn State was basically almost the same as Ole Miss's loss to Alabama. So you take those away, and all of a sudden you look at what Ole Miss has done. I agree. I think they should be a top-10 team for sure. Uh, number eight, this is where we got in kind of an argument, man, because you and I kind of disagreed on number eight and number seven. Number eight, who actually is the number six team in, our, in the AP poll, is the Oregon Ducks. Now, I was the one who argued for Oregon to be lower here at number eight. You're, you can get it into your reason why you have them at number seven. Um, my argument, though, for Oregon at number eight is that you look at the resume compared to them, Texas, and Alabama, who they're above in the AP poll right now. Texas has two top 25 wins over teams currently in the top 25. Number eight, Alabama. Number 22, Kansas. Alabama has two top 25 wins. Number 11, Ole Miss. And number 19, Tennessee. Oregon has one top 25 win, which is number 18, Utah. So when you're looking at the resume, I think Oregon is is still well behind those two. And then you look at how good they are on the field. Oregon has really impressed me on both sides of the ball. But I still think it's kind of a toss-up between those three as to who the actual best team is. So that's why, for me, at least, I have Oregon at number eight. Even though, like I said, this is still one of the most complete teams in college football right now. I mean, they're one of six Power 5 schools that is top 20 for both offensive and defensive EPA per play. They destroyed Utah this past Saturday in Utah, 35-6, to which is very impressive. But overall, I still think their resume is lacking right now. They have a chance to boost it with all the games coming up but I think right now I, I still have them behind Texas and Alabama yeah I get it uh I, I think the eye test tells you that Oregon is just absolutely rock solid and and what they did to Utah is really really impressive now we did mention some things under the hood about Utah that says they're really overachieving yeah. considering their situation and you know we were talking about Kyle Whittingham coach of the year maybe and all that stuff but to go into Utah and do that's wicked impressive I I, I it's a very hard one. It's a it's an eye test, and we're going to get into this a little bit in the top four. It's an eye test versus resume one. Yeah. Um, but you look at – I get it. You do look at Oregon, and you go, their one real out-of-conference game was at Texas Tech. They won by a touchdown. The Colorado win doesn't look nearly as good right now, um, even though they did dominate them, which is cool. Yep. You know, they beat Washington State by 14. That's decent. They're, they're just rock solid. I, I, I could get – this was the toughest argument between seven and eight for them. Um and I know, I know this. I've seen a lot of outlets now have them at six, and I'm I'm not real big on that. I, I think can't get on that point. it's a little bit. They dominated Utah, but it's a little overreaction because Utah look offensively. We've seen it. The two games that they've lost, they just bottom out offensively. Right. It's just not. They can't keep up with teams like that. Um, you know, I, it's it's a tough one, and I'm going to roll right into number seven here because this this again this was the hottest debate. We're going to go Alabama at seven. Um, I, I think we have it based basically pretty much on the quality of wins. You know, you got two quality wins in Ole Miss and Tennessee, who I could argue both of those teams are better than Utah, right? And you've just you've got a team that's found its identity. They're so good defensively. The secondary, we've talked about it, the best secondary in the country. They they just Jalen Milrose figured it out once yeah. he has the starting job. They run the ball well with McClellan. It, you know, they take deep shots when they can, and they are just so it, it's like it feels like just the most Alabama team ever. It's it's running the ball. It's occasional shots. It's defensive backs. It's it's Kool Aid McKinstry and Terran Arnold and Caleb Downs and and they they just continue to lurk. They continue to lurk. And if they beat LSU, they might go up a spot or two again. And 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 I'll be curious to see where they're. Well, they're probably six or seven. Sounds right for them tonight. Even 
I, I, I just it's it's a hard one. The resume says Bama, Oregon's the eye test. Bama's had a little more of a roller coaster, but they're really starting. I, I'm a little weary of like close wins over A and M and Arkansas, but I, you know every team's had wins like that. Florida State and Boston College and Washington the last couple weeks. It, it, this was the hardest argument for me. I, I, I just think. It's been a bumpier ride for Bama, but they have a slightly better resume. You could go either way here. Yeah, I completely. I mean, you look, mentioned Jalen Moreau, man. He leads the Power Five this year with a ten and a half percent big time throw rate, and their opponent, Jaden Daniels, is third at eight and a half percent. So we could be in a shootout on, on Saturday. Although Alabama's defense is really good, man. If any defense can slow down LSU, it is Alabama. But, yeah, it has been really impressive, man, what, what Jalen Morrell has done since being benched against USF. He's really been one of the top quarterbacks probably in the Power Five and in the college football, honestly, with how good he's been. So I have them at number seven. I know you have them number eight, but I think you're splitting hairs, honestly, with them in Oregon. Number six, though, uh, we, we both agreed on this, and honestly, we agreed on the entire top six. Number six is Texas, who, you know, had a kind of a interesting game this past weekend against BYU without Quinn Ewers. They dominated, man. It, it looked like Quinn Ewers was in that game, honestly, with how well they played. 35-6 to was the final score of that one. That really impressed me because Malik Murphy wasn't that great, honestly. He had a few big-time throws, but also a couple ugly turnover-worthy plays uh, in that game against BYU. BYU is, honestly, they're 5-3 and three on the season. It's not like this is – they've had a very easy schedule, don't get me wrong, but this is a – average team probably in BYU so it was impressive that without your starting quarterback you still dominate an average team Malik Murphy though 60.9 passing grade now if Quinn Ewers remains sidelined with his grade two AC joint spraying against Kansas State they could be in trouble because Kansas State is really really playing good football right now uh, right now a top 20 team in the country in my opinion but if Ewers comes back, then it'll be probably a, an easier game for Texas. Definitely an easier game for Texas. But without him, man, Malik Murphy has to step up in, in this Kansas State game. Or else, Texas right now 7-1. If they lose to Kansas State, it's over. Their playoff hopes are over. So we have them at number six. They still beat Alabama. They still beat Kansas, who's now a ranked team after beating Oklahoma. Uh, this is still a, a really, really good Texas team, even without Quinn Ewers and We'll see this weekend, man. It's got a, a, a big test, probably their toughest test until the Big 12 championship game that they have this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, they're they're going to need they're going to need a little more out of Murphy or whoever's playing quarterback. They've got Texas, just like I think they're a lot like Ohio State now. You've got the ultimate complimentary football team defense. Yeah. Jonathan Brooks will run it right down your throat, man. He's solidly in the Doak Walker conversation. Yeah, they they know who they are, and and I and I think that sort of that sort of incubation with the rest of the team is exactly why they could still succeed against a team like BYU. But K State, K State's red red hot right now. They mm-hmm. they got out of their bye week and they figured they have figured it out. Um, we're 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 gonna get into that on Wednesday, but um, this is this is gonna be they're gonna need a little more out of that spot. Uh, you know, it's gonna be it, it's gonna be a fun one. That's gonna be a war, man. Um, but I'll move ahead to number five here. Like you said, we agree on the whole top six. Uh, we still got Washington at number five. Um, it, it, they might have the best win of the entire season over Oregon. Michael Penix might be the Heisman Trophy winner. But it's hard to jolt them into the top four when they have struggled over the last couple weeks, right, yeah. with with Arizona State, with Stanford. Uh, they're, they're really just – they're they're plotting along, you know, and I think winning games when you're not playing your best is great. And Penix even this week still threw four touchdowns, but 
their their defense shows cracks. Their running game is inconsistent. How many games can they get away with Penix just being Penix and saving them? Right. I, I don't think they have the most well-rounded team in the country. Right. I could even argue that Oregon's more well-rounded than than they are. I agree. But Penix is just so great that you know both two years in a row he's just found a way to beat them. I think they have things that I you know I would like to see them against USC really really dominate not dominate wire to wire because it's gonna be hard against Caleb Williams but go out there and play like the better team because I think the last couple weeks they just haven't done that I, I think five's a perfect spot for them you're still undefeated you have the Oregon win and you have Michael Penix but they're playing they're playing flawed football right now and we're gonna find out a lot about them it's another huge game Washington at USC this week too where we're gonna we're gonna find out what Washington's made of. I think they're right on this line right now, and, and I think five's a perfect spot for them. Yeah, dude, and they got USC, they got Utah, and they got Oregon State right after that too. So like, this is a big stretch for them. You mentioned it in their first four games of the season. Granted, it was against easier competition, but in the first four games, Washington won those four games by an average of thirty-three points. In the last four games, they won the those they've won those games by about seven points per game. So Arizona, they beat them by seven. Oregon obviously has another one like the Oklahoma win over Texas. You just beat Oregon any way you can, and, that, and that's good enough. But Arizona State, they beat by eight. Stanford, they beat by nine. Stanford really had that game really close towards the end too. They're playing with fire. It, it seems it feels a little bit like the Oklahoma where it's like, okay, you're playing with fire now, and you're going against Caleb Williams, the ultimate flamethrower. That could be a trouble for them, man. It kind of feels like that Kansas game for Oklahoma where it's like, all right, you're playing with fire. Now you're playing a good team. Let's see, you know, can you are you going to get burned or are you going to finally, you know, play a lot better? So big game for Washington this week. You got maybe a matchup between last year's Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams and possibly this year's Heisman Trophy winner, Michael Panks Jr. That'll be a lot of fun. Kind of reminds me of like the Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson uh, matchup that we got all the way back then. That's how excited I am about this matchup, man. But yeah, like I said, they can't play with fire again because USC and Caleb Williams, who you know are probably a little pissed off right now, they're gonna they're gonna try to burn them uh, if they keep playing with fire. So yeah, Washington has to play a lot better. At number four, a team that was playing with fire a lot early in the season, but they kind of just took care of business. A lot like Ole Miss has Florida State at number four. At, it was eight and zero right now. They just destroyed Wake Forest, forty one to sixteen. Trey Benson had, was an unbelievable player. Uh, in that game for the Seminoles, who we actually interviewed. If you want to check out that interview with Trey Benson, he led the team with 55 rushing yards, which isn't great, but he also had 100 receiving yards for the running back as well. So Trey Benson did it all against the Demon Deacons. Now, Florida State, they don't play a currently ranked team the rest of the season. They still have Miami and they still have Florida. But other than that, man, it's a pretty easy schedule for Florida State. And now with UNC losing us another game, you are probably going to play Louisville in the ACC championship game. And I think Louisville deserves to be in the top 15, but I, I'm still not fully convinced on the Cardinals yet. So Florida State now is kind of in the mode where it's like, all right, now just don't screw up, man. Don't screw it up because it's not like you have a, a massive game the rest of the season. Now they're kind of in the boat where it's, all right, let's just take care of business every single game. We don't have to play a, a great, great team uh, until the college football playoff, honestly. So now Florida State really, from my opinion, just can't screw up the rest of the season and, and they'll be in the four-team college football playoff. No, I, I agree, and I really like I really like watching these next two teams, especially Florida State, because what I think you have is is you're not you, well, like Jordan Travis embodies everything they do, right? And I think every time Florida State's in a big game, 
they do get punched in the mouth, and they always come back. I, I actually think they, you could argue between them and our next team, they're the most resilient team in college football. They're just gritty. Like Jordan Travis, I'm not putting him ahead of Caleb or Penix or, you know, whatever. But he might be the just the grittiest quarterback in college football. Just Just finds ways to win, never plays outside of himself. And I think Florida State, they've had to figure some things out around him. The front seven's been better the last couple of weeks. They're trying to get Trey Benson involved, like you mentioned. Keon Coleman's a monster. Yeah. Just, somebody take him in the first round, please. But, you know, Deuce, Deuce Span, Deuce Span, who I actually used to have to coach against in St. Pete in high school, he was a quarterback, and now he's returning kicks. And, and it's crazy to watch that. I'm like, man, that kid used to play quarterback, and now he's returning <laughs> kickoffs for touchdowns. But they're, they're finding marginal things, you know, like along the way that are making them better, you know, using Tofili in a little more versatile fashion, too, where they're, I think they're hitting their stride at the right time. But getting through the early, the first half of that schedule, and as resilient as they are, they just win football games. Anytime they get in tight spots, they don't break down mentally. And I really admire that. I think Norvell has just done such a great job with that team, keeping, getting them through hard times. And now, you know, if they can get, obviously, getting through a couple rivalries is big, too. You know, the Miami game's always weird. The Florida game's always weird. And you still have to beat Louisville. They're a good team playing good football. Right. Everything's in front of Florida State. And our next team at number three, I think, is very, very similar in Ohio State. Um, I think universally, this has kind of been – you could argue, honestly, on resume alone, you could argue Ohio State up to number one. They're definitely number um, one on resume alone. Definitely. I, I, I just saw – I think I just saw something where on strength of record, I guess they call it or strength of victory, something like that, Ohio State would be number one. Yeah, um, easily, I think. I, I think it's – this is the part where we have res, we have resume versus eye test things, and, and Ohio State and Florida State could easily be one, too, right. honestly. Yeah. Um, Ohio State, same thing. They're resilient as all hell. Their defense, I, I, I could still argue them as the best defense in the country. What they do week in and week out is, I mean, I, I think about even NFL teams. I think about like teams like the Jets and teams like that, whose defense really has to carry them through some hard times. <laughs> where you know, but Marvin Harrison, if he's not in the Heisman conversation, he's still he's still that dude. Yeah, I mean, tra- Travion Travion Henderson is excellent. Cade Stover's been really good, and honestly, look, Kyle McCord. He keeps being talked about as the weakness, but he hasn't screwed it up yet. I mean, he wasn't great against Penn State, but Penn State does have a great defense. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't question them defensively at all. They they just find the like, same thing as Florida State. They just find ways to get it done against really against good teams. They they get challenged, man. And I mean, I I've said it before. I think this is Ryan Day's best coaching job, is it not? I think it is. I think it definitely is. And we'll see what happens you in the Michigan game. But yeah, I think it, it definitely it, is. Yeah, they it just so. I, I think you know. I think a lot of people, when they play Michigan, are just going to shoe in. Oh, Michigan will beat Ohio State because McCord, McCarthy. I go, no, that's going to be that's going to be a war, man. Ohio State physically is more ready to play them this year, and I I think I think they're every bit positioned to make a run at even the top spot by the end of the season. I, if they beat Michigan and they win the Big Ten championship, I think even with an undefeated Georgia, it might you might I, have to put you could easily. Play. No, you could easily do it. One. Yeah, because I, I you could the resume. You could argue Ohio State between the two teams would have the two best wins at Notre Dame, and is it at Michigan this year? Yep. That's that's two better wins than almost unless Georgia, whoever they play in the SEC title game. I think that's the two best wins out of any of them. I think it will be too. I, I mean, Georgia, if even if Georgia beats Alabama and they beat Tennessee and they beat Ole Miss, 
and beat Missouri. I, I still think Ohio State, and you go to you go to Notre Dame, you win that game. You beat uh, Penn State at home in pretty convincing fashion, honestly. I know it was an eight-point game, but it really didn't feel like Penn State really was going to win that game at any point in that game. Uh, Wisconsin's a solid team. You beat them uh, as well. Like I, I th- And you beat Michigan. I mean, yeah, this is. I think right now this is easily the best resume in college football, and Ohio State's look like one of the most dominant teams in college football. So resume alone, I agree with you, man. This is the number one team in the country, um, but it's not – completely all resume yet I, I think it will be at the end of the season where you should only look at the resume but right now it's kind of still an eye test thing which is why number two is Michigan who had a bye week this past week listen they've played nobody they haven't played anyone so far this season the best team they've beaten is probably Minnesota or Rutgers Rutgers has played a lot better down the stretch of the season but that's it, man. That, that's really the best team that you're playing. Michigan still has not played a top 25 team in either the AP poll or PFF's power rankings. So it's been a really easy road. It's going to continue this week. They got Purdue, who has been a really bad team this year. Purdue right now is 74th in PFF's power rankings. After that, though, you got Penn State. You got Maryland, who's Maryland's kind of been on the downswing lately, but still a decent team. And then you got Ohio State to close out the season. So Michigan will prove whether or not they deserve to be uh, at the top. Um, I think, though, just based off what we've seen and based off what I thought about them before the season, I think Michigan is still winning the national championship. And I think Michigan still is the most complete team in college football. I think offensively, they've been one of the best in the country. Defensively, they've been one of the best in the country. I, I just don't see a weakness, really, on this Michigan roster. I think J.J. McCarthy has really, really impressed me so far this season. Still have a great run game, still have a really good offensive line. The receiving core has been a lot better than I even expected it to be. Defense, like I said before, has still been stellar. I know a lot of the dialogue around them has, has been off-field stuff, with the whole sign stealing, but on the field, man, I don't think there's been a more dominant team in college football, but with an asterisk of saying, okay, they still haven't played anyone really yet. So that's why they're not number one for me, And but I, I still think they're, they're good enough to boost them above Ohio State and Florida State because I think Michigan on a neutral field would be favored over those two. Um, so I know the resume isn't there, but I think just in terms of how good they are, I still think there's a clear one and two in college football in terms of the, who's the best teams. I still think there's a clear one and two. Yeah, I don't think they can be faulted for the fact that the Big Ten really only runs three deep, and they're one of them. Um, It's just not – it's not as good this year, especially Michigan State. Michigan State's way down. Maryland's kind of the same old thing. The West is just a mess. Um, Yeah, they they look – if you watch them, you know, without any knowing any rankings or any of that, they look like the best team in college football, right? McCarthy's having a great year. Roman Wilson's having a great year. They still have Corum and Edwards in the backfield. Their defense is nuts. They're great in the trenches. They 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 look like the best team. Um, they have they have their toughest game. What I really want to see is when they go play Penn State. Um, you know, two things. What do they do when Roman Wilson is contained down the field? Can, are they going to grind their way to a win in a close game? Because I think – was it you that mentioned McCarthy's only thrown like four passes in the fourth quarter or something? Four dropbacks in the fourth quarter, yeah. Which just shows how dominant so we, they are. It shows how dominant because they, they don't play it. It, it, in the it, it does, but we, we also want to see them in, in a grinder, right? right. Yeah. Like I'm curious when they play Ohio State, the game is going to be – they're not going to dominate Ohio State like that. No. I don't know that – you know, I think the game against Penn State just defensively could be a little uglier and closer, right? Now, Penn State offensively is a mess, and Michigan should still win. But 
What do they? What do they look like in close games? What do they look like if Ohio State gets, I don't know, a pick six early or something? What do they look like from behind? These are questions that at some point are going to get answered. But from what we've seen so far, you know, despite the softer schedule, there's no question that Michigan at least looks like one of the two best teams in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree so, with you. And the one, the one team ahead of them will roll into number one because it's obvious who it is. Um, it, Georgia, it's kind of the same thing. Um, they, they just, they look fantastic. The last three weeks, they finally look like Georgia, right? Mm. They've just absolutely smoked Kentucky, Vandy, Florida. Um, they're rolling through the SEC East so far. Um, schedule not pretty, but they got it done in times when they struggled, right? The the South Carolina game, the Auburn game. This is the big thing here, though. Now, we're going to find out about Georgia. We still have to wait for Michigan. We're going to find out about Georgia right now. I love yeah. this game against Missouri. I, I think it's going to be one of the best games of the season. You know Missouri's our team. We've been loving their offense all season. I think they can cause a lot of problems. Luther Burden against that secondary is going to be tons of fun. We just talked about Ole Miss. Um, and even Tennessee defensively can give you problems at you know in Rocky Top. That – we're going to find out about Georgia now. The one thing I like about Georgia is over the last four or five weeks, Carson Beck, dude, he's hit, he's hit a level, man. He's hit a different level, and, and and now they're missing Bowers, and and it was no problem against Florida. We were curious, and I know Florida's not the best secondary in the country by any means. We were curious what it would look like without Bowers. Carson Beck makes quick decisions, and he's starting to make bigger throws downfield. If he's going to play like this, this version of Carson Beck could make Georgia a, a three-peat. Dude, he, he has the second-highest passing grade in the country this season behind Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, and, and I Nobody's believe if I was looking, I was I was looking at some stuff since like week four or something like that. He's like the best quarterback in the country. He, he makes lightning-quick decisions. He runs the offense just spectacularly. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do a whole lot outside of structure, but – the way Carson Beck is playing now and what they're what they've done the last three weeks finally looking like Georgia again. The wins, like you said, this has to be part resume and part eye test. Yeah. And the resume is in front of Georgia, right? Now the hard games are coming, but you get the two hardest games at home too. So right. I, I think I think Georgia this game against Missouri is gonna be so much fun. Yeah. I, I wanna see it. And again, and look, it's still an issue against these teams that they don't have Bowers. So yeah. that now it's like Florida, they're better than Florida. Uh, they they just are. Florida's Florida's an average team. They're, they're going to play up and down, you know, each week to week. And if they can get in, if they can get in the rhythm of offense, they are what they are. But Georgia, to do that to Florida, who's still a competitive team without your best player, um, I'm just I'm just so beyond impressed with Carson Beck what he's done the last four or five weeks that they. They're back to being the machine, man. I mean, we've talked about I could nitpick their pass rush and, you know, what maybe the receivers will look like in an even bigger game this week. But what we've seen the last three weeks, we, we I, I I was on Michigan as number one a couple weeks ago, and, and that was because Georgia was looking shaky, but it's hard to not put Georgia up there still. Yeah, and Georgia's resume, I think, is still better than Michigan's. It's not good, don't get me wrong. Resume-wise, Georgia and Michigan might be like 7-8 and eight in the country right now. But when you look at eye tests, these are still the top two teams in college football. And you mentioned it, man. I mean, Carson Beck, man, he deserves more Heisman love. Now, I don't think he's a top four or five Heisman candidate probably yet, but, I mean, after that, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to find too many other players deserving of it. So I think he deserves a lot more Heisman love. Uh, 315 yards against the Gators. Again, like I said, he's only trailing Michael Penix Jr. in terms of passing grade this season. He has been lights out. And, you know, this is one of the teams – the theme of college football this season was – 
how do a lot of the powerhouses look without their quarterbacks? Bryce Young leaves, C.J. Stroud leaves, um, and a lot of other ones left as well. Uh, now Stetson you look, Bennett, yeah, yeah, Seth Bennett, Seth Bennett. He he was one that I'm just like he's one that I've said, yeah, he's he's really stepped up. He's even playing better than Bennett was last year. So Carson Beck, man, has been phenomenal. And I think now against Missouri, who has a pretty decent secondary, honestly, this is a big test because Brock Bowers is still going to miss at least this game. After that, we'll see. But yeah, that's what we got for our top ten teams. In college football, ahead of the college football playoff rankings that come out tomorrow night. So those are our top six. So right now our our college football playoff will be Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State with Washington and Texas on the outside looking in right now. Let us know in the comments, though, what you would have as your top ten teams or even what your college football playoff would be so far this season. But before we go, Dalton, we have to do our favorite segment, which is... Trivia. You know, Dave Safaro puts together some great trivia questions for us every week. Eli, of course, makes some great graphics as well for them. So let's get into our trivia heading into week 10. So let's get to the first question right now. So Ollie Gordon leads the Power 5 with 15 carries of 20-plus yards this season. Which Power 5 running back ranks second with 10 carries gaining 20-plus yards? you got Audrick Estime from Notre Dame, Devin Neal from Kansas, Jaden Ott from Cal, and Marshawn Lloyd from USC are your four options. This is a hard one, in part because Eli is always a wizard with the graphics. <laughs> um, you want me to go first? I can go first. Yeah, go ahead. I, I don't think it's Estime. Because he gets a ton of, he's got the yardage, but he also like is kind of a grinder. It's like three yards and, of cloud of dust with Audrey Estimate, kind of. Yeah. yeah, it really is like bullion yards. It's Notre Dame football, right? And I, Marshawn Lloyd's the hard one because he's wicked efficient and the grades are high, but he doesn't get enough carries though, right? But he doesn't get a ton of carries. Um, it's only ten. It's only ten though. That's what's kind of throwing me off. It might be. It might be him. Uh, it's only 10 of them. Um, man, Lloyd is so efficient. As you think, real quick, I just want to shout out Ali Gordon, dude. Ali Gordon, this guy has been <sighs> a superstar. I mean, he graded the Oklahoma oh. State game, right? I mean, he's a true sophomore. Yeah. He would oh, be a dope it's, walker It's right nuts. Here, man. It just, just shakes people's eyes out, man. Uh, the, the feet <laughs> on this kid are just now 13 forced missed tackles in that game. Yeah, I, I had that game. In a game that was really rainy and and kind of terrible in Cincinnati, or was maybe it was in still. I forget where where it was at, but they were playing Cincinnati. It was rain, it was pouring, and everyone knew both teams were running the ball, and he was still shredding it. Uh, the grading was a little lower because he fumbled, but other, otherwise, just nasty. Doesn't just, he have uh, what? So I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look it up, but it's, he has like 500 yards in the last two games, right? Uh, 553 yards, I think, in the last two games. Yeah. And then the first three weeks of the season, he had 19 total carries. Since then, he's at 100 plus yards in every single game. He's the only yeah, power five running back on the He's got season. almost. He's got just under a thousand in the last five games. Yeah, it, it's it's nuts <laughs> with him, dude. Um, all right, so I'm, I might actually go. I'm gonna go with uh, Marshawn Lloyd. I think it's Marshawn Lloyd. I'm gonna say Devin. I'm gonna say Neil. I, I like I like Kansas's running game. I just something about it I like, and they create big plays on the edges. I I got a bad feeling you're right on this with Lloyd, even though the low carries. But I'm, I'm gonna say Neil. You know for what? Fun of it. Before we get an answer, I I'm not gonna change it, but I will say I did look at this stat a few weeks ago. Audrick Estime was higher than I expected. I don't know if he was number two, 
but he was higher than expected. But I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Marshawn Lloyd. You're going Devin Neal. What is the final answer we're getting here? So still Audrick Estime. I don't. Oh, Marshawn it Lloyd. Lloyd. It it's, is Marshawn yeah. Lloyd. Okay. All right. He's cool. He's just so efficient. All yeah. right. Yeah. I should have gone with it because I knew the the grading on that few carries means he's getting he's just too efficient. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So unfortunately, Jay not got hurt against USC, man, because they might have won that game if he didn't get hurt. Because he was rushing for like I think twenty yards per carry in the first half. I think is what he was averaging. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Sorry, right. I'm one to know, man. I was I had a really awful showing last week, and you had a pretty good showing. Uh, it might be flipped this week, man. So I'm one to know. Don't want to get too cocky though. So what's the uh, what's the next question, Eli? This quarterback leads college football with 15 red zone passing touchdowns. You got Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., Jaden Daniels, and Jordan Travis are your four. I don't think it's Jaden Daniels. I think there's too many deep touchdowns, I think. Well, and Daniels, too. We went over the thing last week where they run the ball more than anyone inside the right. red zone. It's not Daniels. I don't think it's – is it Penix? I don't think it is Penix. Oh, maybe Penix. Is it either him or Bo Nix? It was him no, and Jordan Travis. I'm, right? I'm no, between, I'm, I'm between Penix and Travis. I think I might go Penix. Yeah, I, I might go. I'm gonna go. Pen- I think Oregon runs with Bucky Irving and those running backs too much in the red zone. I think. Too. Yeah, they they get a lot of big plays in the passing game. Like I, I know Penix shots. is like third in passing touchdowns this year, so I think a lot of them probably do come in the red zone. I'm gonna go Penix. Final answer. That's my. Answer. I'm gonna say Jordan Travis. All right, all right. So I got Penix. You got Jordan Travis. The answer. Is Penix. Penix? All right, dude. Two I should have gone. You know what it is. I'm trying to. I'm trying to beat you, and I, and I shouldn't be. I should just. I should just be trying to be right. I'm right. like, You know what? I yeah. I think you're just making I'm excuses to win. right now. I'm trying to win instead of being right. It's a bad idea. I think you're just I, making I, excuses. I was, ah, this is hindsight bias from Dalton right now. Honestly, I'm. I'm, get, I'm getting too. I'm getting too competitive because I had the last. Two, I'm like, I, I had them both in my head, and I went against it just because I, I wanted to. Just beat. All right, I gotta just start being. Right. I, I think I might, right. go, I might go five for five, man. I might go five for five. Let's go. No, question number three now. Blank leads the country with a fifty-four percent touchdown drive percentage this season. Georgia, LSU, Oregon, and Kansas State are your four. So the, mm. the basically the the offense that scores a touchdown on fifty-four percent of their drives this season, which leads the country. Um, I think this is one where Eli's trying to trick us, like the reverse psychology. I'm actually going to go LSU. They have the best offense in the country. They lead the country in EPA per play. I think LSU is the answer here. I'm trying to think of reasons. Um, you're just trying to go against me now. You're, you're again trying to be. Well, I'm just uh, the graphics wizard. You there, should, uh, so you should just agree something. with me, Don. Just get one on the board. Just agree with me. <laughs> See, the one time I do it, you're going to be wrong. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but it's see percentage though, right? It's all about yeah. It it makes me like there's there's something about it that makes me want to say something about it makes me want to say Oregon. I, I'll I'll go with you. I'll go with LSU. They they are under the hood. They're the best offense in the country. I'll go. I'll I'll go with you. I'll go. LSU. I, the one thing that makes me think it is LSU too is that the defense is so bad that LSU is putting up like forty plus points every game, even with the defense yeah. not getting off the field. I think, I think they're at 47 or 48 a game right now. I'll say LSU. Yeah. All right. So we're both going LSU in this one. Let's see what the final is. It's Oregon. You talked yourself out of it. 
I told you this was gonna happen. <laughs> it's I told the one you. that I got wrong. If I do, if I, I just need to stop doing anything based off what you're doing. That was I, me getting you, in your head, dude. I'm, I'm, you I'm talk me, you talk, now you talk me into right a loss. <laughs> I was, I, just something about Oregon just told me. I'm like, I, I. <laughs> I should be three for three right now. Oh this my is... god! No, you should. You should oh not be god. three. I'm. I should be. Uh, I'm two for three right now. You're zero for three. Oh my Dalton god. might go zero for dude. You better show up in these last two questions, man. All right, next one. This Power Five team has attempted sixty-two throws of twenty-plus yards downfield this year, four more than any other Power Five team. Who is it? Pittsburgh. I can tell you right now, it's not Pitt. Washington, BYU, and Alabama. If it, if it is Pittsburgh, that is malpractice because of their quarterback situation right now. Um, I'm actually. I think this is again reverse psychology. I think this is, is the one where it's reverse psychology. I'm going to Alabama. I know Jalen Murray. I, 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 I'm kind of with you. I think I, this one I'm leaning in on Bama because Milrow. They they all he they do wants is throw stand back there and chuck it. He has I, the highest I'm, big time throw you. rate. Yeah. All I do is check the I, tape. That's it. I, I think it, I think Washington's obviously the other obvious competitor here, but I, I actually do think it's Alabama. Also. He, yeah, he leads the country in big-time throw rate, and a lot of it is just because he, his average depth of target is like at least 17 yards, I think. So what is the final answer? Both going to Alabama here. It's Washington. Oh, no. Oh, no. Darling. Tom, you're over four, man. I'm like so, dude. Well, it's not even just the over. It's it's I, I've gotten. The, You've got. It's like the, I'm between this one and this one, and the other one you don't pick is the one that's I've right. I mentioned. How do you lose four coin flips in a row? This doesn't even. I should be four for four. Oh my god. Uh, I should get half credit for all of this. You know the like who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. Fifty fifty. Yeah, I've got yeah. all of fifty fifty. You're like Oklahoma oh. last. Oklahoma was zero and five in one possession games last year. So you're kind of like them, where you're just oh losing every god. coin flip, basically. Oh my God! Wow. This is it, Don. You might you're going over, man. In this one, I know there's like a a rule in beer pong where it's like if you don't make a single cup or something like that, you have to like you know. Well, I'm sure I'll have streak. a hunch about the right answer. Yeah, <laughs> just streak around. We don't want that for walk on, but we'll see, man. Let's go over four. Michigan and which power? Which other team have allowed the fewest passing touchdowns this season? So Michigan and this team have allowed three passing touchdowns, lowest I think in the country, I believe. Uh, Penn State, Duke, Florida State, and Clemson. I'm, I'm, you know what, Don? For you, for your sake, I'm not gonna say who I think, and I'm gonna let you go through because I think I might be swaying you a little bit too much in these answers here. No, I, I get it down to two, and I'm again <laughs> down to two. I, I think. Oh, I didn't see much of the stat line, but they Louisville ran the ball on them a lot. I think it's either Penn State or Duke. And what was the other, it was Clemson, and then what was the other one? Penn State, Duke, Clemson. And Clemson and Florida State. I don't think it's Florida State. Um, it's not Clemson. Well, okay. We had we we had one like this last week, and it wasn't Clemson, and I picked Clemson. It's so, not Clemson. I'm just thinking out loud here. Penn State Harrison scored against Penn State. Um, what was the other touchdown? He, he did, but I don't know that. I don't think anyone else has. Kind of thing. Well, the Indiana game was ugly. Uh, yeah. There was at least one bomb in the Indiana game. All right, I'm not. There's two, two bombs in the Indiana game. They they hit two deep passing touchdowns in that game. So unless Penn State didn't allow a single one in any other game this season, I don't think it's Penn State. And I know Duke is close, but I think Travis. I want to say had two. Thought Plummer might have had one, but I could be wrong. I'll let you give your final answer first. I don't think it's Clemson either. 
I'm trying to think about Florida State too. They they low key man that group that group of corners right there can play. I'm gonna say Penn State that we have all those numbers and they play that god awful schedule and they wow. and they and they've at least like they, I think if they still they might have the lowest passer rating in the country still. Oh no! I'm between I'm kind of between Penn State and Duke and it's I'm gonna. Flip this desk over if it's Duke, but I, I, I'm going to go Penn State. Dude, I, I can tell you right now, I know of three passing touchdowns Penn State's given up, so unless they haven't given up a, another one, I don't know if you got oh, this boy. one, man. I, it's I'm going to go, I'm going it's with Duke. Duke. I'll go with Duke just to oh, rub it in if, if it is Duke. What is the final answer, Eli? It's Florida State. Oh, it is Florida State. Okay. Still over though, I, Dalton. Yeah, no, that one, I'm not as upset about the last one. Florida State, I just wasn't sure how few touchdowns they'd given up. It's just one of their corners. They, they got some great corners. In it, it, over we there, might. But, oh. We might. I know, listen, we can't do the streaking thing because obviously this is a family show and we're not going to do that. But uh, we might have to think of a punishment, man, for, for someone going over in the trivia. And, uh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just burn this Met flag behind me or something. <laughs> I'll figure something out here. Yeah, well, I should probably do that anyway, but – uh, no, to lose four coin flips in a row, man, yeah. that's rough. That's that's a hard one. I'm that, gonna eat yeah. that for a week. That's that's rough. That's tough. I better get I better get all the game picks right then. Jeez. You better yeah, you better get your game picks right. You better be an ultimate this weekend, man. Just scouring the data and see if anything that da- that Dave could throw at you and just you know show up, Dalton. Show up next week. You better show up next week, man. Is all I gotta me. say. Wow, what kind of analyst am I? <laughs> All right, that's what we got for our episode of Preferred Walk-On. Obviously, on Wednesday, we have a loaded, loaded preview show. Dalton and I were talking about this before the show. This might We we know we did a seven-game preview show for you guys before. I think these five that we're talking about beats the seven-game preview, man. These five games are absolutely electric, Dalton. Oh, it's it's we're we're in the fun part now. This is I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the playoff is the playoff, but we're in the playoff race now. Yeah. This is this is nuts. You've got five games with actually really probably six or seven, but we had to narrow it to five with just absolutely massive implications. This is going to be a fun week. Yeah, and we're not going to spoil the five games that we're going over, but I mean, yeah, there were there were like seven games that I was really thinking about, and we narrowed it down to five. You obviously got four ranked games as of right now, four ranked games. We'll see what the playoff rankings come out to be, but yeah, it should be a very very exciting preview episode. So make sure you guys tune in for that on Wednesday. But that's what we got for our top 10 teams in college football, our trivia, and also some takeaways we had earlier in the episode as well. So for Bruce or Eli back there, for Dalton Wassman, I'm Max Chadwick, and we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next time.